Welcome to Voice Fiction. Meet authors of e-books, audiobooks, and audio drama. Be enlightened by post-production specialists, directors, voice actors, and learn more about the wonderful world of online audio. And now your host, John Tatterzak. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another issue of Voice Fiction. And at our roundtable today, we have Bobby Owens, Glenn Higby, and Colin Thornton, and of course, myself. Our guest today is Glenn Carlson and Jack Ward. Mr. Carlson has headed a group of San Francisco writers and voice actors with an interest in creating audio drama. The results was One Act Audio Theater. Their mission? Use the power of the internet to bring something new to old-time radio. Jack Ward, our other person, is a writer, director, and founder of Sonic Society, a weekly podcast carried by Dalhousie, I hope I said that correct. That's right, yeah. University campus in Halifax, Canada, and by other affiliate stations across Canada and around the world. Thank you, folks, for joining us. And welcome. Well, thanks so much for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. I would like to start with the first question, if I may. And the question is, what is it about, say, the Long Ranger or any of the uh, old-time shows, uh, Have Gun, Will Travel, that would hold an audience for almost 80 years. I mean, even Misfits Audio, we do our own Lone Ranger. We write some of the scripts and produce them, and stories called, like, The Bickersons. Any comments, uh, Jack? Um, well, I, I think it's fascinating when you look back at the old-time shows like The Lone Ranger and that, and I think that what makes The Lone Ranger and the other shows of that ill that holds the attention and fascination for people so much is the consistency. I mean, the consistency of the drama, the consistency of the story, even when um, the Lone Ranger himself died. And I mean, the actor who played the Lone Ranger died. They had such a cons- an interesting way of bringing in the new actor to try to keep a consistency. And as we see even modern radio drama uh, sort of take hold, it's that consistency that people are looking for, and that's what makes, you know, new classics, I think. Uh, thank you. Glenn, what would you suggest? Well, I'd say looking back at the shows, um, good writing is good writing, no matter what time period we're looking at. Um, with a character like the Long Ranger, Shadow, Flash Gordon, uh, I think they still resonate because the archetypal themes of their day haven't really changed much for us in our time. Uh, justice, fairness, uh, relentless optimism in the face of adversity. And uh, I do think they're an interesting part of our pop cultural heritage. And um, I think a good example of that is uh, without Flash Gordon, there's no Luke Skywalker. That's an error thought there. Oh, that's a headline. That's a headline if we put a headline on this podcast. Which would be? Uh, without Flash Gordon, there would be no Luke Skywalker. Okay. That's interesting. I was it, is, it is interesting. Absolutely. See, we get intelligent people on these podcasts. That's why they're so fabulous. <laughs> Mr. Higby, would you like to ask the next question? <laughs> oh, you bet. So let's see. Radio is radio. And we were talking earlier about what radio was and what it is now. Uh, my 
perception of, of old time radio would be like the uh, the George Burns and the Gracie shows. Are you both of you familiar with those? I'm assuming. Oh, sure, oh, of course, Annie. Yeah, any of the good. What's fascinating shows. to me is is that the actors have a microphone. They're on the stage. This is 19 what 20 or 1930, I guess. And then the Foley guys are in the back making the sounds. I think that's great. So, what or who do you think killed OTR? Glenn? Wow. Uh, what killed us? Well, I don't think anybody on this panel wants to say it's dead, but. <laughs> and I, I don't know if we want to say killed because we still have it today, but the. Who, the... who wounded it? Well, I, you know, I, <laughs> I think the common answer you would get would be television. Um, obviously, a lot of the best radio producers, I uh, think of Monty Masters, Jack Webb. I mean, as soon as Hollywood came calling, they packed their bags and left San Francisco for what they might have seen as greener pastures. But, um, you know, radio drama existed alongside of the television programs for many years. So I think I'd say that uh, radio killed old-time radio. Uh, Long-format programming really kind of gave way to top 40 music, and I don't think that's really changed in five decades. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Jack, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think Lens uh, on the money. I think television, of course, a lot of people wanted to play in that new uh, venue and they, they sort of packed up and moved from radio to television and you see this this transformation I mean you were mentioning um, you know uh, George and Gracie and then you've got Adam Costello and uh, Jack Benny and Red Skelton all these people started in vaudeville and so when they moved to vaudeville they ended up moving to radio and then when television and a visual art came out well they wanted to be the first ones to do that as well so you see them moving from there to the television format too. And that's when, you know, money fell out of radio and you get the top 40 format that kind of took over. I mean, it's hard not to say that, you know, old time radio wasn't killed, but you also have to keep in mind too, that it did have a bit of a run and, and, and there were certain things that were starting to get played out. Like if you listen to the shadow, I mean, after so many episodes, it got more and more difficult for them to be able to have, you know, Lamont Cranston do his thing and do something different. They needed a shakeup, and uh, they, I think television sort of came in the wrong time, but it also sort of gave a different opportunity for, for different writing. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. Well, you know, this is Bobby. My, my, um, I mean, I obviously I know War of the Worlds and things like that, but my introduction really to old time radio was really all old time on stage radio, uh, radio, so to speak, with Garrison Keeler. Are you guys familiar with Garrison Keeler? Uh, oh, Glennon? absolutely. Um, but I mean, if you want to listen to Canada's Garrison Keeler, you want to listen to um, Stuart McLean. And I don't know who that is. I have to write that down. Go to CBC Radio and uh -huh. go download the podcast, The Vinyl Cafe, and you'll get Stuart McLean, which is the Garrison Keeler of Canada, basically. Oh. So he's the same kind of thing with the, uh, you know, like the old town, so and so yes. and so forth, and can yes. whatever the old towns in Canada are, because I'm from New York, but the uh, same type of thing? Well, yeah, and he tells stories specifically of, of some major, of some characters that he'll have a story of that he talks again and again. He has a very specific way of doing that as well, so... Yeah, you, you, you should absolutely have a listen to Vinyl Cafe. It's been going for several years now and it's done extremely well up here. Well, I, I happen to like fell in love with that. Like here in New York, Garrison Keeler, usually I think, I, I, I don't quote me on this, but around Thanksgiving or right before Christmas, same thing, um, he comes up to Town Hall and he does a live, no other way to say it, live stage radio thing. 
Um, and that was my introduction, really, to what I guess people would call old-time radio, other than War of the Worlds and all that kind of stuff. But that is that is really cool, because that is something I would like to listen to. I wonder why we don't have that here. Is it very Canada-specific, or does it translate across? Um, they, you know? do, they do occasional forays down to Buffalo and some of the northern American cities, uh, but it's pretty much a nationalistic show. This is Colin talking, by the way. You know, all coming, all broadcast from small Canadian towns, and they're all stories about people living in small Canadian towns. It's uh, very much Garrison Keillor, except uh, north of the border. Except not Minnesota or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that is my, my thing with that, and, I, and I, I absolutely love it. I love – they don't even use a lot of Foley work. I don't know what this guy does, but they don't use a lot of Foley work. It's just basically characters and storytelling, which to me is the best part. I've, I mean, that's what you want to hear. Story, we don't really have a lot of that because everything's so immediate these days. Colin, I understand you've got a question. Uh, yeah, I got lots of questions. <laughs> I got lots of questions. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious about uh, uh, again why people still love uh, old time radio, and I'm wondering if there's something more than just nostalgia. You know how people always seem to like the art form that just you know has just gone into eclipse. Is there something more in old time radio that that keeps it hanging on? Who are you asking right now? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I, 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 uh, let's start with Jack. Um, one thing I noticed an awful lot about old-time radio um, that I really love, and I listen to a lot of both old and new, um, is the language. The language of old-time radio is extremely, um, it's, it's extremely powerful, expressive. I mean, they did the same thing in old-time movies. I looked at some scripts like Bringing Up Baby, the classic uh, Howard Hawks comedy, and if you look at the script compared to a comedy script today, it's almost twice as long because they just pack so many more words into the story. If you go take a look at uh, old-time radio called the uh, Damon Runyon Theater, and it's got a very specific style of speaking and, and, and reading, and, and you don't get that kind of interesting stylistic form as, as much in modern radio drama as you do back then. So I, I really appreciate that aspect, and I think language is a huge thing that keeps me coming back as an English teacher. Hmm. What do you think, Glenn? Uh, I think Jack has a great answer. I think uh, I agree with uh, most of everything he said there. I'm not going to get any argument from me. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, in, in a lot of ways when we think of old-time radio, especially if we're thinking of the old shows, I mean, I think what, we're, what we still see an awful lot of, and somewhat unfortunately, is that uh, nostalgia is really the way it's marketed. And I think about Dennis Humphrey, and I think he's running about at least six podcasts on iTunes right now, and um, in his entire <laughs> empire, if you would call it, he is a radio nostalgia network. So I think that... Um, Nostalgia doesn't have to necessarily be a negative term uh, if it's something that uh, brings uh, new listeners in, uh, even if it's just to uh, touch base with something they think may have happened uh, long before uh, they were around. I have to stick my face in with my microphone. With that thought, we'll be right back after this advertisement. Hello, I'm Scott Fortney, and I play bar owner Kent Stone in the new audio sci-fi comedy series, The Corner Bar on Alpha Prime. Now, you'd think that running the only bar on a dump of an alien world would be easy, wouldn't you? <laughs> With the weird clients and help I have, 
Sometimes I feel lucky to make it through the day. Join me for the Corner Bar on Alpha Prime from Misfits Audio. Online at MisfitsAudio.com. And now we have a Glenn Carlson clip. Roll it. Hey, Glenn, would you be so kind to roll Glenn Carlson's clip? Hitting the button right now. So while Mr.'s looking for this lost grandkid, Mrs. has me looking for dirt on you. And she wasn't too happy with what I found. What was that? Nothing. Nothing? What do you mean, nothing? What can I tell you, Mrs. Hampton? The guy's clean. He's a boring, middle-aged academic teaching classics at U of T. He writes books no one reads. House in Little Italy, owes 67000 on the mortgage. Uh, oh, well, the only thing he's done out of line was marry one of his students. Not good enough, Blaine. Everyone has something to hide. Yeah, Glenn, um, uh, one act. Uh, could you go back again, what you were talking about, John, uh, on uh, nostalgia and, and old-time radio and, and the attraction? What, what makes it so um, tenacious? Well, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, we look at things when, it's, when people say the word nostalgia, and in some ways, you know, we, you know the negative connotation that comes out is something it's, it's, it's old or passe, but uh, I just think nostalgia is actually a very strong emotion. And uh, I had made mention that uh, Dennis Humphrey, who hosts a half a dozen podcasts on many genres of old radio programming on iTunes, you know, labels his, his work Radio Nostalgia Network. So he's, uh, mo- he's particularly interested in actually marketing, using the actual word nostalgia to help uh, bring new listeners in and uh, maybe give them a feeling that uh, something important actually happened uh, before television. Well, uh, can I lead? Uh, I'm, I'm going to leap ahead, guys. Sorry about this, but I uh, can't control myself here. It's Colin again. Um, <laughs> Can either of you gaze into the future and and think what what is the what are the new classics going to be? What is the new time audio? What what will people be looking back on twenty five years from now and saying, "Wow, that was great." Well, I um I for me because I I my show is uh, every week I get brand new audio drama uh coming into the Sonic Society. That's what we do is we showcase modern audio drama from around the world. Well, and wait a minute. So- where, where do you get? Where do you get your audio drama from? That's 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 interesting. From everywhere, I go look for it, and people come and send me stuff. We had uh, we've had some really neat finds. Like uh, I, I had people from the the rock group Bread approach. Oh me my with, god! With Whoa. their with their unreleased rock opera from the 1980s, uh, Cosmo and Robetta. Oh my and, god! And we put it on our show, and we were the first people to get it out there. So um, we we've, we're really excited. We have had the Minister of Chance, uh, or the Minister <laughs> of Chance from BBC, or not yeah. really BBC, but from England. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They they came to us and said, "Would you put the show on?" And we were thrilled to oh. do that. So, and then of course we're always getting great stuff from Misfits Audio, and One Act is awesome, and we love all their stuff. So. It's hard for me to sit there and say, you know, who are going to be the classics because I love this stuff. But to go back to, you know, what I want to say is that I think what I said earlier about, you know, people being um, the the shows that are consistent have consistently won numbers on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, I write a lot of audio drama and I, I have my own fans and I really appreciate that. I recognize that I'm not as consistent as I need to be to be able to be as successful as some of the others. Now, 
I would say that um, people like uh, Greg Taylor is doing amazing stuff with the Red Panda and his other show, Blackjack Justice, and they are old-time radio-style shows, so they, they get both new listeners and old listeners who, who have that same kind of nostalgia, and mm-hmm. he releases like clockwork. He never misses a time. I think in the eight years that he's been doing brand new shows and he does a new show almost, I think it's every two weeks, he's he's missed once and that's because the server was down. It wasn't his fault. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, And he's already a year and a half ahead of his schedule. So that's that. And he writes all of his shows. So you can imagine how much writing, how much production, and he stars with that and his lovely wife in most of the productions as well. So he's ahead of the ballgame. John Bell, who I believe is going to, we're going to look back upon John Bell as being the modern day Mel Blanc. He is the man of a thousand voices who did the show Bells in the Battery, which is unfortunately retired now, but was all done without a script. John would sit down in front of his uh, computer and his microphone and do voice after voice after voice, edit them all together and come up with comic gold. Wow. Uh, Jack, um, and, please forgive me. Uh, Mr. Bell, is he still doing any voice acting? He is doing – well, he's been so successful, he's now doing paid voice acting. Oh, but nice. he, but So he has is, he is retired Bells in the Bat Free in a very sad way. He really dismantled the whole show in the final episode. No spoilers. I'll let you go listen to it for yourself. Okay. But I highly recommend that everybody goes and downloads every one of those episodes because who knows how long they'll be on the feed. Very good stuff. And then, you know, there are some really good paid professional uh, companies out there. One of my favorites, and I'm just going to put it out there because I absolutely love them, and they've been very good to us. They've given us some of their programs throughout the years, is Jerry Robbins Colonial Radio Theater. And uh, I adore all the stuff he does. They have musicals. They have historical dramas. They have comedies with original – there's – original comedies. They have a real nice old time feeling as well. And they're really done well. And like I said, I could go on and on and on about everybody, including everybody here at the table. But uh, I, 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 I want to give some time to. <laughs> no, this is great. I, I have a question though. What, what, who is the audience for this? Because, you know, in the immediacy of this, uh, of the world now, it's always, it's been immediate for the last, what, 20 years or so and so forth. I don't even know how old time radio still survives, but how, who listens to it and how, what are the audiences from, from your perspective, from what, from your knowledge, who's actually tuning in and listening and downloading and all those type of things? Who's actually listening to this now? I would say that there's two major listening groups and I'm hopefully working on the third with my own okay. little uh, but the, the two major listening groups are old-time radio people who have listened to, grown up listening to old-time radio. And I include myself in that only because my parents were smart enough to give me LP records of, the, of Superman <laughs> and Buck yes. Rogers. And wow. I went to the library and I went and found these and I listened to them again and again and again. And I lived on a farm, so I didn't have a lot of opportunity. Wow. So I loved them right. from the very beginning. But the second thing, the people that I hear the most from that are my age, they're saying the reason why they love radio drama and why they went back and, and, and found old-time radio was because of the NPR Star Wars series. Ah, yes. That awoken them to the idea of doing 
uh, of listening to stories in such a new and interesting format. And they were in love with the way that they did the Star Wars series and said, really, you can do stories on radio? That's so cool. Wow. <laughs> uh, Glenn, uh, do you have a question for uh, Glenn? <laughs> Glenn, do I have a question for Glenn? Let me think. Uh, oh, yes, I do. Oh, the other Glenn. <laughs> Let's see. The high point of old-time radio may be Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, right? Who do you think, maybe either you, Jack, or Glenn, who do you think will top it today? Will anybody ever top it? I'll give a short answer and say no. <laughs> good, good job. <laughs> but if we're going to bring up Orson Welles, um, I will say that probably... One of the things that I latched onto for uh, in old time radio um, was uh, the lives of Harry Lyme. Um, the series oh. that ran uh, in like, 1950-51, originally uh, broadcast on Radio Luxembourg, which um, you know uh, the moniker of the, uh, the world's first pirate radio station. Wait, we lost you for a second there, Glenn. Say it again. Uh, the, high, the lives of what? The lives of Harry Lyme. It's the prequel to uh, The Thin Man that Orson Welles produced ah. for a couple of years on uh, Radio Luxembourg in 1950-51. Excellent. Yes, well, you know, thank you so I mean, much. You know, several of us, on, we, we all have different talents, if you must say, on this panel here. And I'm a voice actor. And so, you know, that's very dear to my heart, like, you know, getting these gigs and doing. That's how I got involved with Captain and, uh, and uh, Misfits Audio. We do a... Uh, a thing called uh, Star <laughs> Star Rabbit Tracks. That's what I do, uh, where I play Lieutenant Uhura, except I'm a, a rabbit. How do you find your people? How do you, I mean, obviously, it's very hard to pay any of the voice actors because it's very hard to get paid for any of the, uh, I would assume, for any of the of the broadcasts. But how do you find your people? How do you find your, your voice actors? Your How do you find your crew? Either one of you. Well, um, for, for one act, um, I uh, have a, a group of uh, voice actors um, who I've been working with for, for several years um, now. They're mostly uh, commercial voice actors. They do theater work, and they have a, a, a love of the genre and are willing to work for nothing. And um, that's pretty much how I have, how I have my actors uh, come in. And uh, I usually just cast them, people that I already have worked with and already know. Um, I know, you know, Jack and you guys who talked to uh, the new, the new way of working remotely with actors and, and how mm -hmm. they come. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have to take another break, so we'll be right back. Hello, I'm Russell Gold, and I play the title character in Jim Nolan Private Eye, a private detective series set in Boston of the 1970s. Join me as I investigate some very unusual cases. You can listen at MisfitsAudio.com. I wish we could see what you look like. All I have is a blue icon with a white head. With yeah, egg head. That's what he looks I, like. I, uh, yeah, that's me. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's very attractive. You're a very attractive man. Thank you. Yeah, okay, yes. you folks ready? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Voice Fiction. I have a question for uh, Glenn. Why don't audiobook producers use audio drama production techniques in talking books? You know, you... You just want to raise my blood pressure, don't you? Of course. <laughs> Mine's up. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, I don't know why, and honestly, I had a, uh, I had a few conversations in the past, uh, none within the last five years, um, with some of the producers of the audiobooks. Um, they're so tied into the publishing houses in New York. Uh, the contracts that are written between the authors and the audiobooks are all signed at the same time as the publishing contracts. And they find it all to be just 
just too much work and too much bother. I, I'm really sorry that those are the answers that they gave me. My uh, deep hope is that uh, at least some form of hybridization uh, between the audiobook and uh, audio drama is something that we're going to see uh, come out in the future. And, and by that I mean multicast reading, you know, where if there's not a big concern um, when it comes to if we have to adapt somebody's novel into a play, um, that becomes more problematic than an unabridged reading. But I think that a dramatic unabridged reading with multi-voice uh, cast is something that uh, I think might have a good crossover appeal to the ever-growing audience of uh, audiobook listeners. I you think it might just, be the cost? Yeah, I was just yeah, going to say that too. It's purely yeah. economics. Yeah, cost. It's uh, you know you can book one actor in, in a studio for five days and do a 400-page novel, rather than ten actors and a sound engineer and the rest of it. Okay. Uh, our panel. Is there any other questions you would like to ask our guests? Well, I, if I could ring in or, or chime in a Please. little bit here on 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 the the audiobook thing, There's, it kind of it sticks on in my craw a little bit because audiobooks and audio drama sometimes have been mixed and and they're really not the same thing. Uh, and and the reason why I say that is that because um when you're writing when you're doing an audio drama, you cut out much of the description that is and and replace it with sound effects. And the really bad ones that try to mix over, they'll say things like, you know, John, John said, you know, well, a, 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 well, a bucket of water poured on his head. And then you'll hear the sound <laughs> effect of a bucket of water. And yes. that's just sort of redundant, right? So the idea is to, is, to, is to really, if you're going to do a good job of trying to do, uh, trying to do an audio book, then you should just leave it as an audio book. Multicast is fantastic. But if you're going to take an audiobook and make it into an audio drama, which I think we all prefer to a certain degree, um, then make sure you get it written as a play. Remove a lot of that description. Let the sound effects tell part of that story. Get a good cast in to be able to let people just go in. Because as soon as you start telling the story, and Bobby was talking about Garrison Keillor, and I mean, storytelling and audio drama are two different things. Storytelling, Absolutely. you're... You're sitting there and you're listening to a story spun and it's, it's enjoyable, but you know you're being told a story. In an audio drama, you can let yourself get lost just like you can into a movie right into the play and lose yourself into the moment. So that's the reason why I love a good audio drama is because I can get terrified at the moment because I'm not being told what happened. It's happening. So... That's that why is I love absolutely it. correct. I mean, I hope we didn't say that that was the same because I mean, I've I've done some audiobooks and they're absolutely, absolutely, totally, totally different. It is you're telling, you're actually just reading aloud a book with the different inflections of the characters. Maybe Mary. that's the only thing, but you're not. You're just doing a book so that people don't have to actually sit there and read the book themselves. A drama is actually giving you emotion. It's giving you a story, and it's actually taking you to that place. Now, a book can take you to that place if it's well-written, but as we all know, a lot of those books are not well-written. They're just whatever, uh, and that's fine. You just don't want to feel like reading the book, so let's just tell me the words. Um, so it is absolutely, as Jack said, absolutely 100% equivocally different. And, yeah. you know, and I, I'm extremely grateful because just like Glenn, I have a group of people that come into my home and we sit down and we record and having that live interaction is great. 
I think I was the one that originally coined the phrase satellite actors, where huh. we have people who actually are, come in and record. And I, I have done that in the past. I'll bring in some people through Skype or something, and I've done some shows that nice. way. And I enjoy the different actors that I can get in, people that I really have admired in other shows. But I will never, ever be able to replace the fact of having the same people in the studio and the sure. interplay that we have. And I think Glenn can, can admit that once you get people there, they can bounce things off of each other so well, it's, it's fun. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Um, I think part of what made a lot of old-time radio really interesting was the fact that it was performed live. Yeah. And uh, that made it a real actor's medium. Right, and, yep. Uh, you know, today, uh, you know, we record everything. We edit it on the computer. You know, and there are a lot of there are quite several groups out there that uh, record everybody remotely, or they all record themselves and they email in their performances as, as MP3s, and then it gets mixed together with effects and uh, music, and there's your show. And I always say that perhaps that makes uh, that approach more of an engineer's medium. Wow. I'm going to agree with you with that because uh, on Misfits, some of the stuff like well, well, I can again speak for Star Rabbit Tracks. I line produced that show, and um, we all throw in our lines and and uh not throw in our lines but you know given our lines whatever and um i'm responsible for picking the best lines and then there is another mixer who actually puts all that together but yeah i mean sometimes it works and sometimes you have to fudge a little bit or get some new line reads or whatsoever what's your setup like what do you guys set up do you have you have us obviously have uh, setups in, at, in, in your house or do you have to go elsewhere what's your what's your deal i go to a uh, professional studio um, I ask for uh, four tracks. So we do all the voice work in a studio. I get four clean tracks of all of our takes. Mm -hmm. um, with the actors working together, you know, obviously you get the interplay that, uh, you know, really benefits from that type of a performance. But unlike recording it line one to line 650, um, we can jump around more like film uh, sure. filming a, a movie. And then, um, you know, depending on getting what actors into the studio and what configuration you need them, uh, and then uh, I bring uh, all the uh, recorded um, tracks home, and that's when I do all the mixing and add all the post-production. What do you use as your, as your software? Uh, I use uh, uh, Vegas. Vegas. Sony Vegas? Yeah, Sony? Sony Vegas 12, I guess, is, is what I'm using. That's its most current version. That's what I'm using for multi-track editing now. And Jack? Um, yeah, um, my shows, my original shows, the, although I play them on my weekly show, The Sonic Society, sometimes... My original shows can be found at Electric Vicuna Productions at evicuna.com. And you can find that link at the Sonic Society place. Uh, they, people come to my apartment, of which I take my one room, hang a whole bunch of lovely uh, uh, <laughs> blankety things kind of thing that I have set up. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I bring out two, three mics. I have uh, some good studio mics that I purchased. I have a digi-rack, and uh, I have a, a computer running Pro Tools 7, um, nice. and so we do it all digitally, and uh, so I sometimes do the audio editing, although I do all the writing, so when I do all the writing and I do the directing and sometimes acting, doing the audio editing too is, is, is a bit of a challenge for me at, to do everything, so I'm lucky sometimes to be able to ship it out to some different producers to do the editing. But oftentimes it's me that edits it and gets it put together with sound effects. Okay. We, have, really we have a lot of tech. We have a lot of techies on this crew. So uh, uh, listening to this, these podcasts, what kind of mics do you have, and what what software are you using? 
Oh, well, so I, I am using Pro Tools. Um, I am using M-Audio mics. Uh, I'm trying to remember the actual name of the mics themselves right now. I'm terribly brand blind. I, I, I research everything I want, and then I, I get it, and I put it out there, and then I totally forget what they are. Somebody asked me what kind of car I had. I told them it was silver. Um, <laughs> You're not blonde, uh, are you? You're not blonde. No. No, oh. I'm not blonde. Sorry. Okay, Sorry Mr. Uh, Mr. Ward and Mr. Carlson, is there any other questions uh, we should have asked you that you would have liked to answer? Okay. <laughs> hey, I got a, a, a quick one though for Jack. What, uh, what, what's your What's your favorite uh, What's your favorite radio uh, drama of all time? Oh. I, my favorite radio drama of all time: old time radio, new time radio. Either one. I have to say that I have a real strong love for the old-time radio suspense episode, um, Sorry, Wrong Number. So oh. much so that I, I wrote two shows myself that are based all on the telephone. And, and uh, Lucille Fletcher, who wrote those, uh, wrote Sorry, Wrong Number and also wrote The Hitchhiker, which was used later on in a Twilight Zone episode, too. Brilliantly written and the whole bit. Um, I would say that I have. I was completely blown away by a colonial radio theater um, audio drama, which was all done by one person, and that was Jerry Robbins. He used to do it live on stage, and uh, the story was uh, the play was written by a famous, and I, his name escapes me now, but a famous um, Broadway playwright, and it's uh, uh, Barrymore, the John Barrymore story, and. Uh, you can get that at Colonial Radio Theater, and it's you know two hours of monologue of John Barry Mind, and it was just amazing, and I was just really blown away by that because I guess I was never wasn't I was unused to just a one person holding my attention in a one man play on an audio drama so well. That being said, there's just I have so many other favorites, but those ones keep popping up into my head. I know when it comes to old time classics, I have a big, I'm a huge fan of things like, you know, Gunsmoke and Escape and Suspense and The Stick Shooter and Jack Benny and Sherlock Holmes. And oh. I could go on and on. The Black Museum with Orson Welles. And of course, you know, everyone loves Orson Welles and the Campbell Players and, and uh, or Mercury Theater on the Air. So uh, there's just so much, so Glenn, much to listen to. Do you to. have. Uh... Some suggestions of shows? Well, I'm yeah, I'm a little shocked. I remember I was jotting some notes down, you know, uh, about this, and, um, and, and yeah, and it kind of got me, Jack. That uh, I said if I had to pick one single show, I wrote down "Sorry, Wrong Number." Agnes Moorhead. <laughs> <laughs> I loved her. I loved her. I that, so loved her. That was, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I came to that show. I think I think that was also done as a Twilight Zone episode. Yep. Uh, I, and so I remember seeing it as yep. a te the television program first and then being able to go back and find something uh, in its radio format just uh, really began to open my eyes to the possibility of the genre. Yeah. And then I think from something a little more modern, um, well, I mentioned the, um, the Lives of Harry Lyme. Is my, that's probably my favorite uh, old-time radio serial. Oh, and, that's a great show. Uh, oh, yeah, it was fantastic. And, uh, and then I think newer... Um, uh, I, Doug Adams was one of my huge inspirations yes. for me growing up. So Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy from BBC Radio uh -huh. is always going to rank up there to me as probably my favorite thing of, of all time just because it's so funny and clever and all those things you like to hear. And then 
something that moves into the, uh, I think all the stuff that Yuri Rosofsky did with the National Radio Theater of Chicago and then later on um, the Hollywood Theater of the Year, his Sweeney Todd, his Zorro with Val Kilmer, Odyssey of Homer, I think that's what won the Peabody. These are the things that I wrote down um, because a lot of this, because <laughs> these things are all now 30 years old, so we can pretty much almost call them old time radio now too, but <laughs> that's kind of where I got my start hearing uh, and I started working my way backwards from there. Where do you think the future of, what is this new time radio? Do you think, where's that going to go? Where's that going to take us? Jack, maybe? Do you have any suggestions? Well, it's been very inspirational to me. I mean, I've, I've, take, I've always been a writer, but because of the creativity that's out there of radio drama, I have written well over 60 plays myself of various sizes, and I have more and more in my head. So I'm, I'm so thrilled and honored that people give me their babies to be able to put on my show because I'm the biggest fan of this stuff. And, uh, you know, I say that radio drama is one of my favorite mediums because it's the most intimate. You plug it into your head and you can't get it closer to your own brainwaves than anything. It's the closest thing you can get to being your own imagination entirely. And so it's very, it's, you know, you can't get virtual reality to be as good as radio drama as far as I'm concerned. So that's why I love it. I love it because you can play it in the car. I love it because it's, you can yeah. make it, you can make it something as a proving ground. If you really like a storyline and it works really well, why not sell that to a producer to make a television series or a movie? If it works yep. in radio drama, it can do something else. So yeah. where is it going? I think it's going to continue to go. I see it growing. I, I'm introducing it to students. Uh, as an English teacher, I, I have radio drama uh, moments or 10-minute, 15-minute plays that I have them listen to. Well, some of them are reading. Four or five of them are coming back and listening onto my laptop and writing reviews that I've created a worksheet for. So they're introduced to it, and they're, they're getting a kick out of it. These are kids who are no, most, mostly just visual, but suddenly they're opening themselves up into new ways of looking at story. Again, I'm sorry to take up so much time, but I, we had a drama fest here in Halifax, and the drama teacher asked me to help him and their drama students perform a radio prop, a drama for the first time maybe ever in this drama fest in 30, 40 years. So they wrote their own script. They got on the stage, closed the curtains, shut off the house light, had the lights behind the curtains where no one could see them. So they did their entire performance in the pitch black. Whoa. And it was a huge risk, but the audience went bananas wow. they had they loved it and these were all teenagers all high school teenagers they were on their feet in a massive applause at the very end standing ovation they opened up the curtains at the end of course so they could see who it was and people were yelling out who played this who played that and wow. they they didn't know and they loved it and the students walked away going that was one of the best experiences that they've had so that is awesome. There is this opportunity if we're willing to sort of grab it to be able to introduce it to the new generation. And that's one of my goals. That's Very lovely. Cool. Hey, Glenn, um, if we want to get like more information about you and your and uh, where we can hear your work and your stuff, et cetera, where can we go? We are at oneact.org. If you're on Facebook, it's uh, just search One Act Players. Is it one as in one or one as O-N-E? O-N-E-A-C-T dot O-R-G. Excellent. And Jack? 
Yes, I could have told you a Glenn's right away from my memory because I love one act. I want to say that again, Glenn. <laughs> Thank you through the years. He's been there from the beginning. And I'm wow. so grateful that he's been able to help us from season one on. Really, really grateful. Thank you. You can find my stuff at sonicsociety.org. That's our weekly show. You can get it off of iTunes. You can just go to the iTunes store and put in Sonic Society and subscribe for free. There's eight seasons of weekly show in the summertime. We have old-time radio in the summertime where we do Sonic Summer Stock Theater, where we take modern radio drama companies who recreate old-time radio plays and do them for us. And then my original stuff you can find at Electric Vicuna Productions, which is E-V-I-C-U-N-A dot com. Lovely. Thank you, guys. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have to say this, but uh, it's time for us to go. Uh, this concludes our talk with Mr. Jack J. Ward and Mr. Glenn Carlson, and we do appreciate both of you being at our round Thanks table. Thanks for having us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, folks. Nice, folks. And that concludes Great our meet day. meet you guys. Thank you very much. Great to talk to you. Wonderful. You too, guys. Thank you. Okay. This is your announcer, Joe Stopko, for Voice Fiction. Thanks for listening. Until we meet again, the opinions expressed during roundtable discussions are that of individuals and do not necessarily reflect the position of voice fiction. This episode is copyright 2013, Voice Fiction Productions. For full disclaimer and privacy policy, visit voicefiction.com.